You are listening to the Source Connection Podcast, an ongoing invitation to remember your true infinite nature and embody your unique human expression by holding space for the kind of conversations that uplift, inform, and unite us. We are here to amplify the field of possibilities and explore the keys to creating the new. Hosted by Liz B. and Tara Long. For more, check out thesourceconnection.us, Spotify, Odyssey, and YouTube. Right, welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Source Connection. I'm Tara here with my co-host and sister Liz, with our very special guest today, Dr. Bear Lando, and we're gonna hear um, hear more about all of his amazing things. And after after we do um, our our tune in, our slow down, our coming together, arriving here in the space together, and just giving yourself a few moments of rest and relaxation. So if you'd like to close your eyes, you can do that. If you'd like to sit or lie down, you can do that too. We're just going to be here for a few moments, just arriving here together in this in this now moment. So just feel yourself slowing down. Feel yourself breathing. Notice yourself breathing, feeling yourself in your body, and what that feels like for you today. And there's no need to change anything or fix anything, just being yourself. It's coming to this moment together as yourself, bringing yourself. That is all you need to do. Whatever that means for you. Just feeling any tensions that you may be holding, just noticing and perhaps sending your breath that spot or those spots and just allowing ease and softness. And as you breathe, feeling yourself more grounded and connected to the deepest sense of you. Tapping in for a moment to that deepest sense of you, to your source. Feeling that relaxation throughout all of your bodies, 
just taking the time to slow down and pause. If you'd like taking a few deep breaths all the way down to your abdomen. Allowing yourself to move around if you'd like. Just feeling yourself in your body. Being here now in this time and this space together. And taking your time and you can open your eyes when you're ready and just be easy with yourself. All right, now we're ready. <laughs> so, Dr. Barry Lando, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Dr. Lando is the founder of Alpha Vedic and the coast of a uh, coast, the co-host. I'm so relaxed, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> The co-host of the Alpha Vedic podcast, he's a physician, a kinesiologist, and a master gardener. Um, he's a three-sport high school athlete, has studied um, every kind of medicine you can imagine, Western medicine, Oriental medicine, homeopathy, naturopathic medicine, chiropractic, kinesiology, and German new medicine. Uh, he specializes in biological terrain medicine, clinical, clinical kinesiology, Japanese meridian therapy, and so much more. He's noted amongst his peers for his innovative clinical strategies, has an interest in creating a genuine science-based system of functional medicine. Um, he formulates the advanced macronutrient herbal formulas known as Alpha Vedic and available to the public. Um, and he's also known for speaking the truth around uh, false narratives found in um, traditional medicine in this country. <laughs> so, and I've listened to I've listened to you so much on the Alpha Vedic podcast, and I just yeah, you're 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 brilliant. So, thank you for being here today. If there's anything else you'd like to share about yourself, you can do that. Um, we love. I know Liz and I would love to know um, just. As much as you'd like to share, what led you to or what drew you to this work? I mean, this huge body of work in your life and, and you know, the continuation of that and the curiosity to learn more and more and more and more. And yeah, just whatever, you, however you'd like to start. Yeah. Well, thank you both for um, having me here today. It's an honor to be with you and uh, always delightful to speak with kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my, my journey is, uh, kind of a no brainer and that, uh, you know, it's never academic, um, per se oriented. And, uh, in fact, I used to be quite, um, uh, I don't want to use the word hate, but I didn't <laughs> like school at all. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. the only reason why I got to college is because, uh, I had athletic scholarships. And so I was a full scholarship athlete, but, uh, you know, my temperament is such, I'm just more of a, a blue collar sort of guy. You know, I like to, you know, I, I played sports as an athlete. Um, you know, I farm, I garden, uh, I work in my laboratory, uh, I work on bodies, and so that did require me to go through a lot of school uh, with quite reticence, but I did it. Mm 
And, uh, you know, I did all my pre-med and med and went through, you know, three different forms of medical school, naturopathic, chiropractic, and went uh, did a certification at Stanford, uh, you know, uh, and, and worked in the emergency medical services. So where I come from is just, uh, you know, my favorite saying that I learned from uh, an old guy a long time ago that I did an apprenticeship with. He said, you know, medicine uh, doesn't work unless nothing works unless it grows corn. So that's that's where I come from. Just very practical. I think we need to be grounded mm. and uh, understand that all the information that we get is not knowledge. You have to put it into experience, and that's just been my experience. And that's where you you really start to learn, uh, you know, with that direct feedback from your creations. Yeah, and what drew you to that medical exploration coming from the background of an athlete? Well, it, uh, to me, it was um, a logical segue. Uh, I, for whatever reason, when I got into college, um, just always trying to get that edge. I was always in the university library uh, studying books on, you know, beyond even my curriculum in college of, you know, just physiology and biochemistry. And I really wanted to uh, learn how to use my own laboratory to get the athletic edge. Uh, one thing led to another, um, and you know I wanted to know more and more, and so I shifted my whole um, emphasis from pre-law into pre-med, and uh, that 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 kicked it off. And didn't wasn't planning on being a doctor. I just thought I'd be, uh, you know, um, you know, more of a physical therapist type or yeah. or some such thing. And and then <clears throat> next thing I'm you know, doing the emergency medicine. And, and, and then after five years in that, I just felt like, yeah, you know, that was good, good experience. I learned yeah. the best of what that system has to offer. But the, what I really wanted to get at was not, um, not available through them. And at that point, you know, after my uh, college uh, football career, I went both feet into uh, mixed martial arts and and you know, competed in that, and all of a sudden, now I'm exposed to uh, the Asian martial arts community and Chinese mm -hmm. medicine. So by the time I got to naturopathic college after the the Stanford thing, I emphasized Chinese medicine, uh, classical homeopathy, and and you know, to me, acupuncture and the way I learned it initially in. And naturopathic college, it was okay. You learn some basic terminology, but you really don't learn mm. acupuncture. You know, I did, mm. um, you know, apprenticeships with old timers from the old country, which where I really learned. But what I re where yeah. I really learned even beyond that is in the martial arts, because uh, especially when I segued into the internal arts. So you have to learn how to uh, manage your external circumstances mm. with your internal um, focus. Yeah. So yeah. that's where that's where the essence of uh, of you know Oriental medicine, Ayurvedic. That's where it really comes to life, where you prove it out mm -hmm. in your own personal laboratory. And I think that's what we're here to do: is you know have our experience. Yeah. So I'm curious because I started. I went to acupuncture school and, and practiced for a long time, and well, still do a little bit. But I started acupuncture school in 2000. So. I'm wondering what it was like. I mean, and then it was sort of accredited and, you know, more mainstream, even though not still not totally, but 
what was that like for you? And Liz and I were talking earlier and she had this curiosity to go into, to um, go towards sort of the natural, you know, medicines, you know, back then, whenever it was that you did, I'm not trying to age you, but it's <laughs> just, <laughs> what, you what was that? <laughs> I age myself. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Age is just a number. Um, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, you know. Speaking of age, it's it's a. If you don't mind me making a little comment, uh, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I look in the mirror. I don't recognize myself. All that kind of stuff. But um, you know, approaching it as a more as a jock, uh, it's like okay, bring it on. Let's see. Let's try to push <laughs> the envelope and and see what you know what geriatrics are really made out of and and you know you don't have to be sitting around uh sedentary and and having your brain turn into vegetable matter you know it's <laughs> right? it, in, in fact it should be the best time of your life um and, yes. and it really is in a lot mm-hmm. of ways so uh forgive me your your question what was it like no, that's um okay. yeah. I, I was just totally stoked uh you know i was just really excited it was like this this new vista of like entering into a new world and i just loved it i was just so enthusiastic especially um segueing from a naturopathic campus from stanford and working you know in medical institutions that were so sterile it was wonderful we had a great uh campus and it was um uh, you know, and uh, those of us that were emphasizing the Asian arts, we, you know, did Tai Chi together every day. I think a lot of the schools are very much standardized these days. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's what's happened to chiropractic, naturopathy, osteopathy. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. what acupuncture training is like. I, I have a lot of friends, you know, younger that have gone through the training and then they end up looking for you know okay how do we really do this stuff so um yeah so i think it was a little less standardized uh back then which was a good thing uh i also had the benefit of a lot of the that other generation that were the old timers when i was just coming up through that they were carrying more the the essence of you know everything from osteopathy to to, you know, um, Asian medicine. It was just, it was a little bit, you know, more of a continuous thread. And then we also had interaction from people from those original cultures. Mm-hmm. And so it just, you know, really brought it alive and made it more practical for me rather than making yeah. it mystical and talking about, you know, terminologies from different cultures that I wasn't brought up with. So, you know, it became more tangible for me. So it was a wonderful time. <clears throat> it was a great time. I want to go back to when you said um a, we talked about aging and you said sometimes looking and not recognizing oneself, right? And what is this phenomena that we get <laughs> maybe stuck in an idea of who we are physically? And what has that been like for you? I don't know if it's as much as a question or a comment, but um I can relate to that continual kind of getting to know and see yourself in a new way, right? right? But it seems like, I don't know, I'm basing this comment on what you said, that there isn't a version of ourselves that it's what we recognize. And then as it shifts, we start recognizing it less and less, maybe? You know, it's. Uh, I think it's a very healthy thing, at least it was for me, you know, going through the so-called aging process, because 
as an athlete, um, I was very body conscious <laughs> and, you know, everything's about your body. It's about performance, how you look, you know, and then of course, as you're, as a young man, you know, you're, you know, uh, you know, very concerned about all those things. And so, um, as you go through life and maybe, uh, you know, your 40 yard dash time slows down a little bit, your hair starts turning gray and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's good. It gets you out of that, uh, you know, your, your external persona, you have to go elsewhere. And I think what I see with a lot of the folks that I grew up with, if they don't transition into that next level, then they lament about how their body feels and then they go seek yes. help in all the wrong places oh, yeah. and and just yeah. accelerate the very thing they're in denial of mm -hmm. and you know another thing that was and, and if, if you don't mind i'll be slightly personal here um please <laughs> when i was um very young like in grade school um i had a more of a timid personality and I was more inward, you know, I like to just kind of wander off by myself and everything. But as you would have it in any school system, there is that little group of bullies. Now, fortunately, I wasn't targeted because I was a good athlete, you know, even way back then. But I was definitely afraid of these, uh, these guys, you know, and will they turn on me next sort of thing. And the way I handled it, I just, uh, you know, really stepped more into the athletic side because I realized that was a safe place. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of went to an extreme where I went from, uh, you know, uh, being, I was a baseball player, could have gone on and played at high levels of that as well. But I started lifting weights and, you know, eating and, you know, and all that sort of thing, just to bulk up. And what mm -hmm. I realized as I, uh, got older and uh you know started shedding that weight for different sports initially because i didn't need to be 280 pounds anymore um but as i got rid of that body armor i had to deal mm -hmm. with those fears that i covered up with that armor way back when in the first place even though i didn't wasn't cognizant of that's what i was doing the whole time so uh, i guess moral of the story is you got to deal with your stuff sooner or later and, uh, you know, if you kind of stick with it and, you know, um, you know, really get to the essence of who you are and why you're here in the first place, you know, all those uh, decisions you make, you know, earlier on in life, uh, you really start to understand what mm -hmm. made you tick in the first place. Mm -hmm. Oh, sweet. And for pictures of Dr. Bear Lando in that stage of his life, you can go to alphavedic.com and delight yeah. yourself. And, um, Thank you for sharing that. It's just so profound. Yeah, the ways that yeah. we cope. Yeah. That like identity that we hold on to as we, yeah, letting it go. And then of course, Liz and I also talk a lot about, you know, who knows what's possible that we, you know, humans could live a lot longer, right? I mean, we have, I, I think in the past and it's all always possible again, not because we want to hold on to our, mortality but just because you know just because it's possible and 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 maybe we'll find ourselves in a world like that someday we um, well i go ahead i have a little thing i want to say but i can wait no well i was just going to say you know uh, what i learned in the martial arts community when i started 
actually working with some of these guys that were in their 80s, you know, that came over from mainland China. And, and not to, um, you know, idolize anybody from a different culture or anything. It's just that, you know, they represented things that were lacking in the culture that I grew up in, you know, introduced yeah. me to certain concepts. And now it's all, you know, East and West are, have merged. But, uh, you know, what I learned from the horse's mouth is that the old technique for the ascension was to prolong your physical life and they had means to do it. And in fact, mm. once they got to a certain place, there's a, you know, a little place way up in the hills, they, you know, they called it the Valley of the Ancients where a lot of these so-called immortals live, you know, real, real folks, this is not mythology. And I've right. seen some things with my own eyes to kind of prove it out. But the reason they did that was not to live a long time so they're afraid of dying, but it was to continue to create a continuous thread of consciousness mm -hmm. without blacking out so many times in between so that they could gather momentum for their final goal in life in the first place. Mm. So I wonder this, what those goals you know, our, were. <laughs> um, that's yeah, my character. Well, I'm like, oh, what was your goal? You want to live a thousand years? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> sorry, Liz, you, you, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah sorry. Exactly. No, I love that. And this is what this is all about. It's expanding the possibilities. Two things came to mind. One was we're talking about gray hairs, right? And why in some cultures there isn't really gray hairing. Like I was interpreting for indigenous um tribal people in brazil not too long ago and this people i mean the women were you know in their 70s and 60s 70s and no white hair um yeah. so is it because they've never seen that or because there there's no construct of that for them therefore it doesn't manifest or is it based on what they eat and how they live their lives is it all of it i don't know and we can go on that little tangent yeah, a, a lot of variables but you know what i've learned about the biological systems is that they are not designed to age or degenerate they're just not meant to mm -hmm. and also in my work i was able to understand more in depth why that happens and um you know lifestyle and uh you know good uh exercise and dietary habits are great uh, you know, we want to take care of our temple, but it's really not the main thing that's going to, you know, bring us all the way home. Mm -hmm. And so I can tell you how I got every gray hair on my head. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a matter of what we do to ourselves, the, the stress we put ourselves under, um, you know, the world we live in, all the, the false paradigms that keep us in limitation and fear. And, it, you know, mainly it thwarts us from our vast creative potential. And that is what creates the deepest levels of frustration in all of us. Mm. Uh, because, and it's not the government or someone else that's doing it to us. We allow it. And we think yeah. that that is power. And when you externalize in that fashion, and your cells have to play that out. There's there's no recourse. They have to. Mm -hmm. uh, they they become limited in their own natural processes, you know, because we do it to them. Yeah. That's what I see when I look under a microscope. So yeah, uh, my hair doesn't uh, 
didn't have to turn gray, but on the other hand, and 70 years old is nothing in the scheme of things, you know, with, right? with what we're capable of. And then of course, uh, I, I would, um, suggest based on some information that I've gotten from certain, you know, conduits that I trust that there was a time when mankind did not, um, embody in a embryological form mm -hmm. and we did not come in helpless but we came in in mm -hmm. a perfect capable mm -hmm. young adult form and wow did our you know work and consciously went out the same way and in fact at different historical times a long long time ago we did not even have some of the organs we have right now mm -hmm. because they're unnecessary you know, for filtration, detoxification, because we didn't walk around in our own sludge the whole time. Right. right. Yeah, now we need all of them and then some. <laughs> uh, um, I want, yeah, that's just, yeah, so fascinating. So fascinating to think of the possibilities. Um, I want to ask you about your, uh, are you still seeing people clinically? Do you do, you do that these days or? Um, no, but yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, I retired out my clinic yeah. and know about 99 and had a lot of years, you know, that was like full on crazy. Yeah. It's very international and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it was yeah. kind of live in situations for people. So that was intense, but it was amazing. Uh, then I moved to the back to the mainland because I was in Hawaii where I raised my family oh. and, um, they wanted to go to school in Santa Barbara. They wanted to see what the mainland looked like. And they also wanted to go to Santa Barbara because it's a great party school and there's still good <laughs> surfing nearby, <laughs> yeah, totally. which, which are my main criteria to, you know, when I was that age. <laughs> right. So, um, so we all moved there together and I started up a little, uh, more of a private practice in, uh, okay. Santa Barbara area and, and then finally headed north to our first uh, major farm operation uh, mm -hmm. up in uh, Humboldt County in Northern California. Mm -hmm. And then about seven years ago, gravitated up to here. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how we, you know, made the journey. And, uh, you know, and, and and I look back and, you know, every single step of the way is perfect, you know, where we yeah. learned, uh, you know, a little, little bit of what we're supposed to get so that we could hit the ground running here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, the question, and there's so much there I want to ask too, but the question that I had was when you were seeing people clinically, how oh, receptive, oh, did you, can you hear me? Uh, no, I, uh, I lost the thread of your question first time around. So I just apologize. Oh, no, so, no, no, so, it's totally fine. Yeah. I didn't even have a chance. I didn't ask it. Cause I was, I was just wondering if you're still seeing people, but you've <laughs> okay. seen so many people. I'm wondering how receptive they were over the years to, um, you know, the different way of looking at things, like as you're going into more of the biological terrain versus the traditional mm -hmm. theories and things. Um, what was, yeah, what was it like? Did you talk? Were you educating people? Were they receptive to that? Were they open to it? You know, back, I mean, mm -hmm. now it's different, well, but then what mm -hmm. was that like? The, the original term physician means teacher. teacher. And I always took that very seriously. And the first thing I said to every client, even though they came in in 
uh, I, I had a very difficult practice. Mm. And, you know, originally I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon once I made the the jump to regular, uh, you know, conventional. And, and then, you know, that all changed, uh, you know, due to circumstances along the way. But um, <clears throat> once I got into that level of health, I started understanding, you know, what really makes us tick. And if somebody comes to see a physician because they want to be fixed, uh, you know, you're off to the wrong start. Yeah. So the first thing I told every client is, look, I can't fix you. You know, I can't yeah. fix anybody. Uh, I yeah. do know how to um, work with you and, you know, allow your body to speak in a very uh, technologically assisted way and, you know, organic technologies, uh, but you have to do the works. So, and so my kind of jock mentality took over again, because I always considered myself more of a coach. And and mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So um, initially, you know, in that phase of practice, what happened is, because everybody came in with a death sentence, basically, and a lot of them have already been sliced and diced, you know, and nuked wow. and everything by the regular system. You didn't really have to talk them into anything. You were just the last resort. Yep. And so they were very motivated. Now, you know, those people, though, that were motivated because of that situation, they're very special people because most folks just, you know, pack it up. They say, I'm going to die and let's yeah. do a little more chemo along the way. So, um, you know, so I had a very, uh, a very groomed clientele from the very start. And, and through that, of course, every time I started thinking I got things a little bit wired, um, then I'd always have that client that would show up, that would challenge Mm -hmm. me the next, you know, so when you're in the business, it's wonderful because you never stop learning. Yeah. And the the moment you think you, you know, you got something handled. In fact, there was a time, you know, we had a research center in, in LA actually. And so I used to fly back and forth all the time. Um, and and I shared some stories that I was experiencing with my colleagues there because uh we had made great inroads into helping people with, you know, these situations to the point where it became very not just predictable, but an expectation. And then all of a sudden, I got a couple of folks that, whoa, they didn't obey. And, um, you know, I talking to my friends, they said, yeah, we're getting a few of those ourselves. And we're kind of surprised. It, it, it forced us to, you know, go the next level, which was a good thing. But what we realized that, no, you know, that's what really drove the point home finally to me is like, no, you, you can't fix somebody else. They have their own. Uh, purpose, timeline, and experience, and it's none of my business. I'm just there to facilitate their experience and uh, help them have, uh, you know, maybe a more pleasant journey. And if they're supposed to stay in the body, if they have more time, you know, that they need, then, you know, I supported that as well. So the last part of your question, as as I'm, as I uh, continue on in this work, you know, in bioterrain medicine, I still do it, but I don't really see clients here. Now, I'm actually tooling up uh, a little office here again with a new microscope and all sorts of stuff because I want to be more research oriented because there's too many things going on. And I just, my curiosity is getting the best of me. I want to know what's really going on because I used to, you know, look at blood just hours and hours and hours every single day. And I I learned a lot and I want to see what things are looking now. 
looking mm-hmm. like now I have uh, friends in a business and I pick their brains like the Biggelsons are awesome, you know, as far as the microscopic work and everything. So, uh, but I, I need to get tooled up here. But what I do do is a lot of things at a distance, mm-hmm. which um, I have ongoing folks that I help from a distance and it's all um, with radiesthesia kind of techniques that I got involved with probably 40 years ago. But the radiesthesia has refined itself to the point, uh, you know, uh, biogeometry, for instance, is one form of uh, contemporized radiesthesia. And, um, and, and I'm really ready for it because, uh, you know, my experience has shown me that that's really the way things work in the first place. And in, you know, even in my, you know, when I saw people on the tangible physical presence, I realized that, you know, we have to work on all those other subplanes in order to create coherence from the top down, because you can only do so much from the ground. And the last thing I'll say about that is that from the, the school of thought that I adhere to, um, if you are in the healing arts there comes a time in your life where you have to take your hands off people mm. for your own yep. uh inner work and also it allows you to kind of cut out a lot of the middlemen and for people that are um, ready for that type of work as well you can really go right to the source of things uh much more efficiently and elegantly, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I do do work now, but I do it from afar. Yeah. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at now. Ah, occasionally, somebody yeah. will show up with the, uh, my back just went out or something like that. Or <laughs> back that just had so many other day uh, with a bladder infection, you know. So, uh, you know, yeah. we, you know, recurrent happening forever and she's in mm. bad shape she's a good friend i go oh, okay come on in and you know next day she's you. fine yeah uh, well yeah, i did but you know yeah. again she, we, uh, yeah. you know i know how to create those real-time changes by manipulating the nervous system with the permission of the individual and uh you know putting things in sequence so i don't have to try to outsmart a body never met a body mm-hmm. i could outsmart mm. so you know just like uh Amen. you know uh an apple genius you know i kind of go in there and into the neurology and and you know work on that level mm. okay question <laughs> i don't even know where to begin but what's coming up is can we can you talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've seen come to life that others would think are miracles that others could not explain right in this exploration that you've had and things that you've seen that other people in other fields or in other perceptions would go well that's not possible i want to broaden the conversation to that so we can create a ripple around that of what is possible in that way okay okay um, I want to be careful here because yes. when you start talking about things, um, all of us have a great tendency to get hypnotized by phenomena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you never do things for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get, if you start dabbling into things that people think are impossible, it's only 
to explore, you know, further levels of potential, yes. you know, not to impress people or, or to feel sure. like you're all, all spiritual and everything all of a sudden. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally yeah. aligned. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I have to say, you know, I have to go back to uh, sports, you know, I, you know, played at a good level and we're nationally ranked and all that kind of stuff. And there's magic out there when all of a sudden the whole team's at the zone in the zone at the same time, just impossible things. You just have no time left on the clock and, you know, all this crazy kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of, kind of a crude example, but um, when I was, uh, and I'll try to make this short. Uh, these sort of things I don't share too much, but I was uh, opening up my first private practice after you know making the transition, and I was in a department store getting a sound system for my new office. And this woman walks up to me and says, "She kind of knew everything about me, and I just figured, oh, she knows one of my clients or something." I go, "Okay, what? I'm busy and stressed because I'm going through all this, you know, new setup and everything." And uh, and I go, okay, whatever. That was interesting. And then she shows up about a week later to my office. And I'm mm-hmm. starting to suspect that this person's a nut bar because she's saying, okay, there's somebody you're supposed to meet. <laughs> and um, and she wants me to drive way hours, hours away you know, in the boonies with her. I don't even know this person. I go, next thing I know, I'm in the car and I, you know, it's cold. It's in the middle of the winter in Northern California. And uh, we're hiking through the woods. So we come out, still opening, there's a little hut there. And there's just this old dude, you know, he's in his nineties. I found out later it's out there almost dark naked, just running around. So we, you know, when, uh, you know, got introduced and everything, and it turns out she was one of his, her two, his two wives. Now, not wives in a polygamous sense, but in a spiritual sense, because mm-hmm. From this culture, and this person was chosen at birth, indigenous Native American. You know, it's not like, oh, I, I'm going to be a medicine man when I grow up there. No, they're chosen at birth. And there's ways that the old cult- cultures used to do that. Yeah. So he was uh, just checking out. Now is his uh, last project. So he told me once I got to know him a little bit, because I spent a lot of intense time with him for a solid year. So anyway, we're sitting out in this old rickety, you know, platform outside of his hut there and you know birds are landing on him and i slept over there uh you know that night and you know there's orbs up in a tree and all this kind of crazy stuff and i'm like okay and you know already at that point i was starting to read metaphysical books and everything and you know don juan castaneda you know so everybody's fantasizing about shape shifting into a coyote and all this kind of stuff so but it was more of a it was more of a segue from the psychedelic, you know, years into the, you know, now into metaphysics, which was, you know, more into the 70s and early 80s. But, um, okay, so there were some experiences, and I'll just share one because there was many. Yeah. Uh, my wife decided to go on a, on a um, rafting trip on the Rogue River. And so she was gone and I, I went up and, and saw this guy, you know, spend a few nights with him while my wife was gone and, and, uh, you know, walk in and go, hi, grandpa. It's just what I call him. And, um, and he just kind of looks at me and whenever he had kind of a look, you're kind of, uh oh. And, um, so he's, you know, sits me down right in front of me, faces me and he goes, would you like to see, you know, your wife? And I said, sure. And so he put a rock in my hand and, uh, you know, then all of a sudden you're 
somewhere else. I mean, you're literally. Wow. They, you know, in this situation, and I had similar situations, uh, they weren't, um, people on the other end weren't aware of you, but you're there just no, Mm. you know, not vague or hallucinatory. I mean, just like me talking to you guys, you're there watching everything. And I was able to recount some experiences later, you know, to my bride there that, uh, you know, to (laughs) show her that I was watching her. So, uh, yeah, things like that, you know, there's, there's time and space and everything. And, um, you know, it doesn't exist in that realm where these, we'll call them shaman, shamanic types, you know, know how to suspend their belief systems. Just like in a martial arts, you get really good when you can suspend your belief systems and operate on that other level. Mm -hmm. And then the reason why I finally got to Hawaii in a particular place where I ended up spending a good portion of my life is I actually moved to Fiji first for surfing reasons. And I had a thing there overseeing a health resort and doing emergency medicine for this one little village. But anyway, um, we came back to pack up and move to Fiji and we're saying, well, should we explore some other areas? So we decided, okay, you know, before we just raised our kids Fijian, which would have been fine, but we thought, well, maybe we'll get in the best of both worlds. And then so I uh, was on Maui and and this was old Maui when it was true outer island experience. So I was, uh, you know, with some friends and they said, hey, there's a great little waterfall down there and, and uh, you know, down this path. And so I walked down there in the morning, I'm just kind of meditating on this uh, ledge with this hundred foot waterfall. And I'm looking at the hills and there's this kind of, you know, little vortex with the surrounding hills. And I looked down at the pool and I'm like, wow grandpa used to take me to this exact spot now he just passed about a month before and two weeks before he says i'm out of here i'm done and he also helped me remember a lot of past experiences that we had together which explained why he was messing around with me in the first place and uh so um i'm yeah i mean it was just again not oh i think this might no it was the place is like looking at a snapshot, you know, of place where I'd been a bunch of times. So I got back into town, uh, got to a payphone and called my wife. I said, we're moving to Maui. <laughs> so that was it. And so that was kind of the first experience. Now I had some more along the way, but I, I think that's probably what well, one from the martial arts community was kind of cool as I trained with this one guy and he could literally tractor beam you across the room you know and we're all kind of you know advanced martial artists and things you know in good shape and but he was just like 20 feet away and just you know and you're on the ground clawing trying to stop and everything he's just (laughs) so yeah that's that's really the the things that work that it's not miraculous it's not mystical it's it's just understanding how things work and when you farm yeah. when you work on bodies when you work in an alchemical lab you're actually utilizing those principles so that now you can even cut out the lab the farm you know the the biological yeah. medicine and just start doing those things internally without any props yes mm. Yeah, that your the story of Grandpa reminded me of that book. Of course, the way of the peaceful warrior, you know, and Socrates. And uh, uh, I know Dan Millman. Uh, oh, well, you do. Yeah. Uh, another great. Sorry. Um, stop. No, me. no, please uh, tell. Me. Uh, 
Easter's like to tell stories, right? So um, I decided I wanted a van to, when I was moving, when we made the decision to move to Maui and, you know, we're living out in West Marin County in a little beach community. And I decided, okay, when I'm over there, I need a van so I can carry around my surfboards and camp on the beach and do dawn patrols and all that. So I start looking at one ads and I uh, find perfect, you know, a, a V-dub pop top. I go out to this place in San Marin and uh, this guy comes out and is, uh, you know, we're doing a little test drive. And I didn't know this guy, never seen him before and everything. And I looked at him and I said, did you write a book? <laughs> I just kind of, for whatever reason, yeah. randomly came, you know, and yeah. he smiles and he looks at, and this was before the peaceful warrior right before it came out. Oh, and, oh wow. and he, he just released it, just released. It, and I never heard of it. Yeah. And he looks at me kind of with a smile and he said, are you a doctor of some type? And uh, so anyway, I buy his van and, you know, and that was my uh, surf vehicle in Maui for many, many years, a lime green van. And uh, it talked to him off and on over the years. And then we moved back to the mainland. And then I'm sitting at a car wash, having my car washed. I'm sitting outside on this bench where people wait while your car's going through the thing. And there's somebody, you know, sitting next to me and I look and then he looks at me and we both crack up. It was Dan, you know, so that's... (laughs) Um, so I, I've reached out to Dan since, and we'll probably be doing a little talk together soon, uh, oh. in your ways, but anyway, yeah, Dan's good. And he was, uh, you know, when I went there that time, cause he was a gymnast and he had a trampoline in the back and hit yeah. one of his kids was having a birthday party. So they're, they're doing trampoline gymnastics and stuff. So, oh. and, and met his wife, she came out, you know, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I remember that was one of my first books. That was one of my first oh, awesome book. touches into, you know, this. Like realm. a lot of us, he had uh, a collective of experiences and that yeah. book became a collage mm. put all into one figure, Socrates, of, but actually, yeah, you know, it was, he had many experiences. Yeah. So it's yeah, based on truth, that makes sense. but, um, but fictional, creative yeah. license. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, I'm curious um, about, and I, let's see, how do I formulate this question? With terrain medicine, um, and you explain it so elegantly to, you know, maybe to people who haven't heard of it before. Um, and how do you, you touched on it a little bit just now, but how does that relate to you, to the, to spirit and to this this place that we're talking about now, this our non-physical selves. How does that relate to you and your experience in recognizing um, the, the truth, if you will, of terrain and what what uh, microbes really are, what they do, and all of that? Does that make sense? Is that a sensible question? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. No, it, it's a great question because it has everything to do with everything. Um, and you know, about terrain medicine. Initially, you know, I had to learn how to, you know, learn a lot about microbes in a whole different way, get different types of microscopes and, uh, you know, learn a lot of other things that go with it. It's not just looking at bugs and learn how to test uh, laboratorily in different ways and things. But what you're um, understanding there, and especially when you put it to practice and you see thousands of folks, which I did over a long time, 
um, you understand that the bar train is under other forces. It's a precipitation of those other planes and subplanes. And, you know, I had an experience early on, again, in sports, forgive me, but um, because I was very scientific about my training, I always had everything on paper and mapped out. And it's like, okay, here's, you know, this time of year. So I'm in this cycle to prepare for whatever. And I get it down on paper and then I, you know, go do it. But then in later years, I get it down on paper. And before I even got to the gym or out in the track or, or, or what I, my body just started changing. And I'm like, well, this is weird because it used to take me a couple months into the program to start. So Mm -hmm. I started connecting some dots. It's like, no, it's really about your intentions. You know, it's really about desire. And when you get into something I am a big fan of, which is waveform mechanics, because it really um, helps you understand exactly how precipitation works uh, in a way that a Western mind can understand. And then also explains all the so-called Eastern mysticism mm. perfectly. Um, you mm. know, you, you, in bioterrain medicine, you would just like, you know, working out or whatever you do all the stuff, but then you're also working on these other levels. And then you see everything from microbes, tissues in the body, uh, everything acting coherently relative to the things you've put into motion on other levels. And then it exponentially sped up when that individual you're working with was starting to ask different questions. And, you know, you mm-hmm. asked, you know, how do you start off with people? Yeah. The way you start off is, you know, as far as um, you have to meet them where they're at. You can't just say, oh, this is how it works. And no, right. you, you, there's ways to tune in and go, okay. And you meet them with where they're at. And then pretty soon, not too far down the road, they're exploring all sorts of different, uh, you know, information, um, yeah. uh, changing partners, jobs, you know, yep. uh, everything in their life that wasn't working and that they see was contributing to dysfunction that then had to play out biologically, they realized, ah, ah, you know, I get it. So um, bioterrain medicine, you're looking at the realm, you're looking at the subplanes, starting with pure consciousness and tracing down through those subplanes exactly how matter, uh, including your biological experience, and experience in general, how it precipitates. And we're supposed to know these things. We're not supposed to be ignorant. Mm-hmm. We didn't come here to be dumb. We came here to be co-creators. <laughs> so, um, yeah, bioterrain medicine, along with martial arts and everything else we've talked about, really helped drive that home as far as what makes this universe tick. And how we are, in fact, co-creators. And we have everything in the world to say about everything. And that's that's the opposite of being arrogant. You know, a lot of folks from different spiritual disciplines think that, oh, we're not up to that task or that's blasphemous in some way. But um, it's actually arrogant to think otherwise, I think. You know, to, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Liz's wheels are turning. Go ahead, sister. (laughs) I think that one of the most beautiful things that you're able to do is to bridge that, to bridge that physicality with that realm and to know that it's all this one thing that's not separate, that's not um, out there or in here. It's like, how do we, from that perspective, then embody ourselves in the healthiest, um, excuse me, glorious way. Bless you. Have a tickle. They always come in twos. Yeah. (laughs) Now sell it. Threes, Five, six, wait. (laughs) Oh, get some. You need a minute? I could. (laughs) Just. No worries. No worries. I've had a tick on my throat. And here we are talking Mm -hmm. about biotin and just all of that. Um, And I'm thinking for the week, okay, what kind of, what is emerging, what's healing, what's happening, what's detoxing, right? And then I'm thinking it's my own process. And then I hear from other people, they also have the tick in the throat and they have the pain in the throat. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I may not be the person. (laughs) Um, So I'm sorry and thank you. Um, You bridge that so beautifully in what is coming up for me is because you spoke a little bit and used the word science here and there. And that's such a weaponized word for us nowadays in the world that we live in. So made me think of a Leonardo da Vinci quote where it says, study the science of art and then start study the art of science, right? And art being our lives and just all of that. So what is that word to you? What does it mean? Right. When we're bridging all of this and this methodology and just coming from this different perspective where it's not separate from us and it's all this one thing. Well, just like any religion where you have to be a believer, um, science in its present form is a set of doctrines that leaves out all the mechanisms of why any doctrine might have any truth in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the alchemists of old, and I like the term alchemy, Mm -hmm. even though it connotes or conjures up wizardry and things in a lot of people, but it's true science because there's two sides to the scientific equation quality and quantity so we're into the quantitative side exclusively so we're just looking at these little magic bbs that somehow stick together with covalent bonding and and you know make the physical universe you know which is absolutely ludicrous so um you know science to me means not only understanding how to manipulate those mechanisms that precipitate matter and experience, but also the qualitative side is to be able to use your inner faculties to become uh, continuous uh, 
with those forces in the first place. Um, you know, you um, Liz uh, talked about physicality a second ago. Physicality is just the South Pole. That's all it is. So in the Earth realm, you know, the element Earth, you know, in the old schematic that alchemists use with the four elements, the Earth element is the negative pole. And if you understand precipitation through the ethers, you realize you need a North and South pole to create a toroidal field, which is what this realm is. And then that also explains very elegantly how uh, matter electrically is produced, you know, as with consciousness as the progenitor of all of it. Uh, food is the negative pole. It, the body doesn't build anything from food. It's a negative polarity that allows the same microcosm of our body to precipitate our bodies, our experience, no different than the larger realm and realms beyond that, beyond that. So, um, again, science deliberately in its present form leaves all of that out because if you come into those realizations, then you don't need anything outside of yourself. Yeah. You don't need uh, anybody to keep you safe. You don't need anybody to tell you what to do. You don't need anyone to heal your body. You don't need to make money. Uh, forgive me. Sorry about that. It's okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Forgive me. All right. Uh, All good. Okay. Gone. All right. So, yeah. Um, of course, it's it's very transparent now for anybody that's just doing a cursory bit of introspection yeah. that you know, this whole well, thing's a scam. So, uh, and and it's that's why we're now have a new religion. They knew that the old religions, you know, emanating from the Vatican and so yeah. forth, would have a shelf life. So they had to have something ready to go, and they had to have the new generation of heretics to persecute. You know, which are the folks that have the audacity to say that you're a co-creator. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Wow, this is such a big conversation. <clears throat> yeah, it's so beautiful in in its own way, and and here we are, right, 2020, and all of that, and the unfolding of that that still lingers in that way, and mm -hmm. yeah, the virtue of science. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm I'm extremely encouraged that you know I don't sit around. You know, we're talking about you know past that. You know, I I think I had some perks by growing up when I did, and I'm glad I grew up when I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the yeah. other hand, it's not about the good old days either, because there was stuff going on in the good old days that wasn't that great. Yeah. So you know, the yeah. good old days are all, all lie ahead of us, and the fact that uh, people are out on the internet discussing topics that used to seem pretty occult to some of us back in, mm. you know, back in the good old days. So it's all out in the open now. Yeah, yeah. it is. And speaking of, well, this isn't like you said, it's so occult anymore, but um, uh, just, I, I find so many of my dear ones who are on the same page with so many of the things going on right now. Right. But still somehow cling to, are clinging to, um, 
you know, that viruses cause disease and yada, yada, yada. So, and I do my best to, to, to say some, not to convince anybody, but just to, if they're asking me, well, what do you mean that that doesn't cause, you know, and so I do my best, but what, how would you put it, um, just to someone who maybe is, is kind of still holding on and, and wanting to kind of cross that bridge to the other possibilities, you know, of, um, of that not being what we, what we think it is. And just as succinct, you don't have to go into a lot of detail because I just watched your entire presentation on, on contagion and viruses, and I can point people to that as well. But if you just were to paraphrase. <laughs> sure. Um, well, again, I, I look at things uh, a little bit more practically. And uh, the reason why I came along to the realization that germs do not create disease, viruses do not exist in the way we think they do in nature is because I had a whole slew of folks. Well, bioterrain medicine, yeah. of course, teaches you different from the start. But now all of a sudden we're in the AIDS era. You know, I'm in the mid eighties and I'm inundated with literally hundreds of AIDS uh, patients Wow! and, you know, and in bad shape and it's like a virus. And I'm like, okay, they didn't talk mm -hmm. about uh, HIV, you know, back in the old German systems and everything and, uh, or, you know, make a big thing out of viruses. Viruses were considered a, um, a bioterrain condition mm -hmm. where microorganisms had to um, act the way we think viruses act according to the conventional theory. But what really drove it home to me is, you know, uh, with all these AIDS patients and then later, you know, everything from Epstein-Barr to um, Hep C, you know, all these so-called viral etiologies, um, you can do the conventional testing. A lot of those people came in with their results and, and you know, I found out how to help these people fix themselves with biotrain medicine and almost a hundred percent of many, many, many all got better. All, every single one of them. So, um, and that was with manipulating biotrain. But the curious thing is that uh, those antibody titers for the alleged HIV you know, cause could be up, could be down. And I find them in other people that weren't sick uh, it had nothing to do with anything. There wasn't any clinical correlation mm. and empirical uh, empiricism, which is the, the true, you know, um, nature of what science is supposed to be. You, you just observe. And I was able to observe in real time. And, and it's like, well, not only did these antibody tests not have anything to do with the virus. That's a, a theory itself based on another theory that there's a virus there in the first place. Yeah. And then you get, you know, folks like, folks like Fauci that were leading the charge back then yeah. and, you know, yeah. selling the whole thing, the whole narrative and a lot of the, the pro choice people out there now are controlled up, you know, because they are saying, Hey, you know, it shouldn't be mandatory. But then in the other hand, they're, they're still keeping you in the virus box. So I don't know, did that answer your question at all? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Perfectly. I mean, it is, it's experience, you know, it's your, it's your mm -hmm. boots on the right hand. You just, you just seeing yeah. it over and over and over and over again is yeah. to me, you know, how can we refute? Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm working with great folks now who are really brilliant researchers and 
academicians, you know, um, in a different way. So I rely on them, you know, like Andy Kaufman folks, it, you know, yeah. uh, he had me terrain movie, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's great because I don't want to, you know, be spending my days and nights just looking at these research papers, which I don't believe in anyway, but yeah. he's very good at picking out the logical fallacies and everything. So, you know, it's good. You know, he just gives me the downloads, people like that. And then I can just go about my business, which is yeah. farming and bodies and laboratory, you know, uh, preparations and things. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I used to do some labs also that uh, on every single person that really um, through, uh, you know, that what we think of as molecules and bodily fluids, I was able to mathematically extrapolate the electrical vectors that actually make things work mm -hmm. from that chemistry and uh what i was able to do also is on every single person i had to measure cell debris so when your body every single day you know it's always throwing off old cells and making new ones but when that cell debris titer was very high I was able to see that, okay, the, the body's going through some degenerative process or it's got a job going on. And also at those times when that cell debris was up, I was able to correlate certain regenerative processes in the body that were triggered by that cell debris. Right. And, yeah. you know, that yeah. cell debris triggered uh, manufacture of solvents and, you know, to cleanse the body, uh, stem cell production, exosome, endosome stuff that, you know, Andy talks about. So, yeah. you know, again, you see that in real time and, and you can kind of connect the dots and I could elaborate on that, but that's kind of the yeah. short of it. Perfect. Yeah. Thank we'll you. let folks plug into that talk and we can link that up. Yeah. If it feels of interest. Of that, you talked about um, gardening, and you said the word elegant or elegance a couple of times. So I'm curious about your next venture, off grid elegance with Deb. Ah. Talk a little <laughs> bit about that and what that is, and what's the vision. Well, you know, it occurred to Deb and I that, and, and Deb's the real green thumb of the family. She's just kind of wired in there from birth you know in that way and so uh i always default to her as my uh, main teacher out in the garden i you know i it, we're a great team you know i kind of do soil, soil science i have uh, certain herbs that i've really gotten to know that i really like to plant but when it comes to just stepping back and she'll just go no that belongs over there you know then i'll go over do biogeometry or something i go yeah you're right <laughs> so um uh yeah so it, it, it's a good team but uh it occurred to us watching some things on YouTube that uh, off-gridding didn't seem like that much fun if you're watching some of those episodes. <laughs> and, right. you know, we're walking around here all the time and it's uh, elegant is the best word for it because mm -hmm. you're in nature. Uh, we're not roughing it. You know, we have running water, electricity. We live in a beautiful house that, you know, where it's not some country funky thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then there's also, um, you know, that, that, that empowerment that you get when you provide for yourself, mm, yes. uh, you know, you're not waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know how to provide yeah. for all your needs. And so what we do here on the farm as well is um, aesthetics are very important to us. Mm. You know, I don't love that. Well, anyway, um, so we want things to be beautiful because 
when you walk through our gardens and you know this is a relatively new project but we're we're making good headway here but you know you walk through some of my growing areas and there's little Quan Yin statues and meditation areas and and you know that creates a resonance that even makes the plants grow better mm-hmm. and um so it it's about aesthetics it's about a refinement of living and for us to move back on the grid would be very harsh. We mm-hmm. could do it. We're fine. You know, we're we're adults and we can deal with anything. But it's it's just when you don't have all those uh things coming at you and people telling you what to do and electronic overlays, you know, when I'm through yeah. with uh, you know, my business here, I can just turn off the modem and there's no cell reception. So elegant is really the way we should be living and living in nature is the epitome of elegance. Mm. Oh, mm. Yes, it is. Oh, goodness. And, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, there's a great tendency, I think, for a lot of us in the off-gridding permaculture world where we're just as good virtue signaling as the folks, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the other side, you know, oh, here's my chickens and I don't live in it, you know, and it, it's so totally. that's not that's not where we're coming from. It's it's just like we're here because we enjoy our lifestyle and yeah. we have a belief system that if more communities had these little small farms, you know, and the prototype that we're creating to provide for their own needs and you know, their own energy yeah. systems. And um, I, I think life would be a lot grander. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For We're sure. headed that way. Yeah. We are. Well, we are. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. there's many, many of us that are headed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll end with this question, Bear. At the very beginning, mm-hmm. you said this was the best time of your life. Can you share why? Well, the short answer is I feel like I'm in a place for the first time where I can actually start learning, like really learning. Wow. Um, I don't know. And it's only because of all the poor decisions I've made in the past. And, you know, they say, you know, you want to know how you got gray hair. Well, it's the sum of all the decisions you've made in your life. And that's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing. You know, it's not like. No. It's just that how else do you learn? Do you do first day algebra class? Do you get the final exam? No, you have to go through, you know, the mechanisms and, 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 you know, learn. And that's, that's what we're doing here. And I think the learning is really speeding up exponentially. Um, You know, I had a lot of experiences in the past that were a little bit hair raising, you know, when I got into lawfare and and including medicine uh, because, you know, folks target you and things. And, um, so people that are coming up now don't have to go through all that. Mm. They can just um, learn by our mistakes, learn the things we did connect, and then take it to the next level. And so, uh, you know, a lot of us, too, like to quote people like Steiner and Tesla and Walter Russell. Yeah. And those people were great because... They were individuals. They did exactly what we're talking about. And they did not expect a next generation of students to just preach their word like the gospel. It's incumbent upon us to keep the ball moving downfield. And I'm now 
you know, there's just less things that preoccupy you in your younger age. And now I feel like I'm free of a lot of that and can just start really having fun. And you don't entertain the same anxieties and all that kind of stuff that, you, you know, you do in younger years. Mm. And it's just such a burden uh, that's internally you feel younger than ever. Oh. Until you look in the mirror. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and see. Well, beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I want to come visit you guys. My friend Deborah was there not too long ago. Oh, and she, um, huh. uh, Deborah, who was, uh, is it the same Deborah that was thinking of looking for property up here? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. glad I connected that dot. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're always welcome, both of you. Oh, thank you. And, yeah, and then Sam and Isaac and Amanda. And it, it just every time somebody comes back, it's just like, ah, oh. <laughs> that's, that's their that deeper oh. breath. Oh. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and thank you for um, speaking in that way at the end there where other folks can tap into the essence of that and know that that's possible for them too. We're so bombarded with so many contradictory views of what's possible when you get older, yeah. right? And people just yeah. think, oh, no, I just, Stories. Um, my body's yeah. collapsing and I'm just old. And I'm just like, oh, why do you mm -hmm. do that? Well, what you find out too in the internal arts is uh, the body really wasn't designed to um, just operate on pure brute strength and youth. Uh, in fact, we never lose that in the first place if we learn how to, uh, you know, come from the inside out in the first place. You know, you watch a deer bound up a, a hillside that's almost vertical. You know, they're not using muscular strength. Right. And so, right. Um, yeah, so you can be older, but if you're starting to get the hang of it, you can work all day and have more energy than you had 40 years ago. And um, yeah, just be a little more clever about things. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Thank you for that. And where can people um, find you, Dr. Bear, if they want to tap into <laughs> more of your work and what you're up to? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A, uh, V-E-D-I-C, Alpha mm -hmm. Vedic. We just did a little play on the on the spelling there yeah and uh we kind of also believe there's a little more alpha energy that needs to come into both sexes these days yeah <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so um yeah so that's our uh, website we're launching a new one very very soon yeah. that okay. will have uh, a good membership experience and a lot more interaction and and content and and also we won't have to be paranoid about what we say on YouTube because we'll, you know, be able right. to post things there. And a lot right of our stuff website. has got censored, so a lot of our yeah. censored material yeah. will be there too. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Getting flagged. Good work. work. <laughs> I know, right? Thank you so much, Dr. Yeah. Bear Lando, for being with us today, and it is delighting yeah. our listeners and us. Distilling all. Well, thank you. Wisdom. Yeah. And thank uh, the two of you. I mean, you you you're the folks that are, you know, getting the word out and and your contribution is is amazing and it's delightful to get to know you today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you everyone for being yep. here with us. We'll see you next time. See you next time.